Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Severance, season one, episode one. Good news about hell is the episode, the first episode of not only this show, where I'm going to be breaking down and recapping every single episode of the Apple TV Plus exclusive show, Severance, uh, but I will be spoiling that. It's also the first show of this show where I'm doing those things. Uh, so welcome. Welcome to the show. It's probably going to be a long episode if I had to predict. Obviously, if you're watching or listening to this, you know what the runtime is already. You know before I do as I record it. Record it. But these are long episodes, uh, and there's a lot of stuff going on. It's a very mysterious show, very interesting show. This is the by far the most complex show that I've ever attempted to do an episode recap of, so please bear with me. Uh, this is a show created by Dan Erickson. A lot of the episodes are directed by Ben Stiller. Uh, this first show, this first episode, I should say, was directed by Ben Stiller. Uh, and the visual stylings of the show are amazing. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and very just simple, practical use of a camera to really illustrate a lot of things. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of layers to these sh this show. And uh, with all, without further ado, let's get into breaking down. So if you haven't watched Severance, uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend listening to this first. Maybe go check out the first episode of Severance before listening to this because I will be breaking it down beat by beat, going through the entire episode. I'm also going to be talking about different themes that have kind of uh, sprout that that are kind of brought up throughout the this, this show uh, as well as some of the mysteries as they're kind of the big questions that are being asked and uh, as they're being answered throughout this show and then I'm also going to be tracking the different characters uh, because there's there's some cl complexity to the characters uh, by virtue of the narrative of the show with all that said let's get it started this show starts off as most humans start off, very disoriented, very confused. Even the imagery evokes the kind of uh, imagery of birth uh, as we see a woman laid out on a conference table, passed out, top-down view. Very much uh, a visual, if you look at the background here, uh, a visual that almost looks uh, or evoke evokes the ideas of uh, a, a baby in the womb, as it were. Uh, and this voice comes over a speaker box. The first words of the first episode of Severance are asking the question, who are you? Who are you? Which is a big theme of this entire show. Who are you? Who are you in different situations? Uh, I mean, who are you really? Who are you to different people? Many different kind of ways to take that question. Very first question asked to this person who is just waking up. Uh, and this person wakes up and she's given a survey. There's five questions she's asked to ask, asked to answer. Uh, the first question was already asked. Who are you? She doesn't know. Unknown. Second question. 
What is your birth state? What state were you born? Unknown. Okay. Third question. Name any state. Delaware. Don't know what Delaware means, but that's so far we've gotten an answer. Instead of two unknowns, number three, name a state, Delaware. Number four, what did Mr. Egan have for breakfast? Very weird question. Who is Mr. Egan? I don't know. And why would that, why would his breakfast be such uh, the number four question? Obviously unknown. Who would know? Who would know? Number five, what is slash was your mother's eye color? Unknown. Door opens. Adam Scott, the actor Adam Scott, playing the character of Mark, walks in, telling this woman she got a perfect score. So what do we know so far? The only things that this, people who wake up on this table should know are a state, maybe specifically Delaware, and uh, that's it. Everything, was, everything else was unknown. Not supposed to know what Egan had for breakfast. Uh, you're not supposed to know anything about your family. Not supposed to know where you're born. You're not, you're not even, you don't even know who you are. Right? The rest of everything's going to be given to you, as far as you know. And then we cut to previously... The same guy, Mark, in his car, crying. Don't know why he's crying, but he's crying. He's emotional, wiping his tears. Uh, we see him go into this work. It's a giant parking lot full of cars, giant building. He walks in. There's this big, like, carved mural of a, of a portrait. Uh, and he goes in goes to uh, the locker room where he's swapping out, wearing a different watch. Wearing different name tags, right? The, the tag that has his name on it, it goes into a drawer. He puts on another badge, uh, even different shoes. So kind of, kind of eliminating specific things that may identify himself. Goes into the locker room. Goes up. It's 9.04 a.m goes up there's a cool uh in-camera effect that they do when they go through the elevator uh where it changes the focal length and it makes the face kind of expand or contract depending on if they're going up or down really kind of a cool effect uh that they do and then he's walking through a bunch of different empty hallways empty rooms like it, it, it's as if nobody works in this gigantic building that is full of cars outside we don't know where any of these people are so he's going through all these hallways, notices that he has a tissue in his pocket, has no idea how that tissue got in his pocket, despite the fact we just saw him crying into it, throws it away. So we, we know as the audience that he is unaware of anything from outside at this point. Goes to a room, completely empty room, except for four desks that are set up in the center of the room. Each of these desks uh, set up uh, with a little partition between any of them. Very interesting kind of aesthetic to this office building. You know, a giant office floor with just four desks, only four people that work in this room. And even still, they're separated by partitions. We're introduced to 
a few of the characters. Not only do we see the four desks, we see the computers they're working on are very old computers. They're like computers from like the 80s, right? Black and white screens or green and black. I don't know if that was, I'm colorblind, so forgive me uh, if I don't, if I don't properly remember or recall colors. Uh, so these people who are literally reborn into this new reality, assumingly have no idea what technology is like outside of this place, right? We're, we're seeing old computers, like nothing else. Like everything is just all they know in here. Even their names are given to them because when they wake up, they don't know their name, assuming they get a perfect score. We meet uh, a couple of the co-workers. We meet Irving. We find out that Petey, another co-worker, is out. Uh, we find Dylan. We meet Dylan, who is for some reason excited about a waffle party. We don't know what the waffle thing is, but it's like a reward or of some kind. He's very excited about. Uh, we also see Milchik, who is kind of like the uh, see Milchik is the floor manager. He takes Mark to go see Miss Cobell, who is the uh, senior manager. She's in a new office. He tells, tells Mark to compliment her on the new office. Uh, they get there. He does so, and uh, she's not very happy with it. And he, you know, kind of just on board with trying to just appease the manager, Miss Co Cobell. Uh, he has sat down. There's a board meeting going on, but it's not a board meeting where you have all the members sitting around a giant conference table like the one we saw at the beginning of this episode. It's a board meeting where they are assumingly communicating with or uh, attached to the meeting via a little speaker box. The same speaker box, same type of speaker box that was sitting on that table, the conference table, the opening scene with the, the words of who are you coming out of it. This board meeting plugged in. Board meeting. We need to talk to you, Mark. Uh, the board silent throughout. At no point do we hear anything coming from the board through that speaker. Uh, but they are communicating with Cobell, I believe, through like an earpiece or whatever. So Mark finds out Petey is gone. He's no longer working for the company. And Mark is now the new deputy chief. He's given his new badge. He's offered to, uh, if requested, offered a handshake. Very corporate. All of this stuff, very corporate. Very, like, very inhuman, very sterile, very, like, sad. <laughs> very depressing. Uh, and uh, he's got to go do his new, his first duty as department chief is to do the input survey. And uh, Mark is doing this survey with Irving. They're in a small room. Uh, there's a, like a, a binder of, of kind of questions that he needs to go through, basically. It, it's a thing that you would get, like if you do customer service at like a call center, like a script that you go through, and if somebody responds, you flip to the page, and there's the, the pre-prescribed response to however the conversation goes. And one of the things, one of the aspects of this is that the person is only able to leave if they ask to leave three times. And Mark makes sure to cross underline that uh, to, to make it happen. 
And when it starts, he messes up. And now we're basically at the opening of this show, but from Mark's perspective within this room, he is the person who started off this episode by asking, who are you? And he messed up when he did that because he didn't do the preamble first. He started with the survey, which the first question is, is who are you? And when Milchik sees Mark mess up in this, in this instant, uh, he asks Cobell if he should go in and help and fix the situation. She says no, allowing him to, to do his thing. Of course, there are cameras set up so Milchik and uh, Cobell can monitor what is going on. They do their hands off. This is Mark's new responsibility. Uh, Mark constantly looking up at the cameras as he's doing these things. Um, Mark's in the room now with her. One of her first questions is if she's livestock, which is an interesting question. Uh, of course, Mark kind of uh, poo-poos that kind of uh, thing. She finally learns her name, which is Helly R. So Mark is now giving Helly her orientation, and it is by the book, literally by the book. Uh, she asks what severance is. He kind of avoids that question and, and goes into more of the sales pitch of what the purpose of severance is to facilitate a work-life balance, as it were. And uh, Helly, kind of rebellious, clearly not wanting to be there, picks up the speaker box that's on the table and throws it at Mark, trying to go to a door to get out, but the doors are locked. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Now you can wear The Many Faces, original art by Ray Taylor. Select pieces from the ongoing series of abstract ink paintings. All products made with high quality materials, made right here in the USA. Go to inspireddisorder.com slash merch to browse the entire collection and save yourself an extra 10% when you check out by using coupon code RTS. TMF. So once again, go to inspireddisorder.com slash TMF merch and save 10% when you use coupon code RTSTMF. And now back to our show. Cut to now they're in Cobell's office or, you know, another room. Mark is getting a Band-Aid on him. Uh, Cobell is relating to Helly about how much uh, she doesn't like Mark either. She doesn't blame her for weaponizing a piece of office equipment. Um, actually, no, we're not there yet. She asks to leave. So she throws the speaker at him. Obviously, she's not able to go. He relates to her, uh, saying that, you know, his, you know, you're going to make good friends. My friend Petey, uh, you know, was somebody that I worked with, uh, and she wants to leave. He tells her that she needs to ask to leave three times. So she does so. She, she, she's asked twice, and she just needs to ask once more. So then Mark takes her to down these long hallways, almost like a maze in a lot of ways. And there's this, uh, the exit. Mark's not allowed to watch, so he stays around the corner. And there's a situation where Helly just keeps going back and forth through the thing. No matter how hard she tries to leave... 
every time she walks through that door, she's just walking back in into that hallway. She never actually sees the stairway, the exit. And she eventually gives up, and she goes back and uh, doesn't work. So she finds out that she's the replacement. She's a replacement. She doesn't know for who, but she's replacing, clearly replacing Mark, who's replacing Petey. Now we are in the place where Mark is getting the Band-Aid and Cobell is relating to, to Heli about how much she doesn't like Mark. Um, and then she's given, Heli's given a disc. She's like, this is something Mark can't screw up. It's just a video you have to watch. So she gives, Cobell gives this disc to Heli. Now Mark is in the office with Cobell and Cobell has this great line, one of two very interesting things that are said by the same character. You know my mother was an atheist. She used to say that there was good news and bad news about hell. The good news is hell is just the product of a morbid human imagination. The bad news is whatever humans can imagine, they can usually create. I don't know what that means. A very interesting line about, like, clearly this is a hell created by men, by man, by mankind, by people, by a company. And in my opinion, Severance, Lumen in general, or Severance specifically, is is this hell that was created because it was imagined uh heli sits down in front of a tv where the disc is put into the dvd player so that that technology exists uh in in this the severance world she plays the video and she sees herself sitting down saying that two hours Prior to her watching this video, she sat down to record this video for herself that she knowingly decided to do this procedure severance that is going to bifurcate her memories, to cut her life into two, uh, part of her life being within the severance, within this data refinery, and the other half is outside. And this is something that she knowingly did. And there's also the, the, the aspect of when she was trying to leave, Mark said, the only reason you show up, the only reason you keep coming back is because the person on the outside, the you that is on the outside, wants to come back. And that the you that exists within Severance has no choice. The real choice is the person on the outside. That is the person that chooses to come back. And then once you're there, you have no choice. The choice is taken away from you. Cut to uh, Mark is off. It is the end of the day. Uh, we s he gets out, goes back to the locker room, goes down the elevator. They do the camera shift thing. Uh, he's in the locker room. He notices that uh, he's got a new badge now. 
which he didn't he didn't realize. Um, but he notices that. Goes out to his car. And on his windshield, there's an envelope. Inside the envelope is a gift card to Petey's Bar and Grill, as well as a, a an explanation of why he has a Band-Aid on his head, which we know that he got from the speaker box that Helly threw at him. But in the card, it said that he tripped and fell and hit his head. And because of that, here's a gift card. Uh, congratulations on the gift card. Really very corporate way to uh, spin a negative as a positive so he's given this gift card uh, as he leaves he almost hits heli they obviously don't know each other they're supposed to be staggered when they leave but i'm sure because of the gift card that uh, held mark up a bit so he almost runs into her as he leaves uh, then we see Mark pulling up into his housing development where he lives. Uh, and we see what kind of life he has when he is outside of work, which is the same as everybody who uh, works a full-time job. They get home, they usually drink some alcohol and watch some TV. And Mark's life is no different. gets a knock at the door somebody's at the door it's his sister which we don't know it's his sister right away but we quickly find out it's his sister he's got a dinner that he uh agreed to uh his dis his sister is is concerned because it's been a year it's an anniversary of something uh and she felt that he might want to be around people obviously we saw him earlier crying uh i would imagine that is part of uh the reason why uh, he's just overly sad. His sister knows. Uh, so now we're at a dinner, which is not a real dinner, which was brought up on the car ride to the dinner, that it is a non-dinner dinner. And we are in the future, some point in the future. Obviously, the technology of severance doesn't exist today. Um, but it is in the future, and this is apparently the future of dinner parties, where you don't actually eat food. You just get together with people around a dinner table and have conversations. And that's they're having conversations. One guy is like bringing up like this mundane trivia about how uh, in, during World War One, they called it the Great War. They didn't call it World War One. And Mark brings up the fact that, well, World War Two hadn't happened yet. So there's no reason why they would call it World War One. We also know we find out some things about Mark. We find out that Mark was a former history teacher we find out that he has been working for lumen for two years and has been severed for a year uh, we find out that the anniversary is of his former wife we find out that she was a, a russian lit major or a russian lit teacher um and she died a year ago so lines up wife died he gets severed Bada bing, bada boom. So they, they're having these conversations at, uh, at this non-dinner dinner. Um, and after the dinner, his sister is making him a sandwich. Or there's, there's like part of the conversation as the whole dinner part of the, the, the evening is, is going that uh, nobody really has or rarely has food-based dinners anymore. So in this future, nutrition is supplied in another way. 
and uh, dinners. That's why these dinners kind of exist in the forms that they do. But Mark is more of a traditional guy. His sister decides to make him a post quote unquote dinner sandwich. So he actually has something to eat. He also takes a sip of alcohol out of a flask. Um, she, she, uh, invites him, uh, requests that he stay there, uh, just stay the night there. Uh, so we cut to later on, uh, while they're kind of getting him ready in a bed, uh, that he's in a room that has multiple beds and his sister is pregnant and expecting her husband is Rickon. I believe his name is, um, yeah, Rickon is her husband, and he says that uh, the it's traumatic when kids grow up that they constantly are are being having their beds taken away from them, and new beds, and it's like traumatic or whatever. So it's better. They say it's better for the kid to grow up with all of their beds that they will use throughout their lifetime, so that they are always growing up around them, and they will never be like that trauma of the loss of. So we're at a point in the future where mental health is so focused on in a way uh, that is almost ridiculous. It's almost ridiculous. Um, later on in the night, Mark wakes up to get a little late night drink. L while looking out the window, he sees a man standing outside uh, looking at him seemingly recognizing mark um and as a light goes by he disappears the next morning mark tells his sister about it they kind of joke back and forth about it uh, apparently there's a bar down the street she kind of passes it off as it's just one of the people stumbling home from the bar uh but mark's not too convinced because you know the guy seemed seemingly recognized mark uh cut to mark is back at home doing some chores around the house cleaning out the gutters taking out the trash um and th and then is later at uh, the bar pips making use of that gift card he was given uh gets a call from his neighbor who he's talked to before mrs selveg who's his neighbor uh who is a bit confused with how the trash pickup recycling pickup works in their in their community uh and he is at pips once again describing that to her trying to get her uh on the right track with that while he's on the phone a man sits down across the table from him it is Petey, which as the audience we know Petey is the guy that formerly worked at severance and it is quickly told to mark that it is that same Petey, and that he was somehow able to bypass the severance uh, thing which was supposed to be permanent but he was able to bypass it uh, tells Mark that they were work friends Mark has no idea who this guy was uh, we find out that Petey was Mark's best friend uh, but Mark was Petey's just very good friend uh, so there was that dynamic that was very interesting uh, for Petey to to specify um, Petey is on the run from a guy named Grainer, uh, which we who don't we haven't met yet in the show, but assuming Grainer works for Lumen, and because Petey 
bypassed the severance thing and is no longer probably the reason why he's no longer working there. Uh, but Grainer is out to get him, obviously, to silence him because we can't have that happening. Um, and then as uh, he's given Mark a card, as Mark leaves Pips later on, he opens the card up, and in the card is a letter from uh, Pete telling him that if he wants to know more, if he wants to have these questions answered, go to this address and you can find out. So there is a potential for Mark to become educated outside of Severance as far as what's going on. Because we don't really know what's going on at Severance. During the dinner party, we found out a few things of what Severance is. Uh, we found out um, that Severance, according to the people at this dinner, dinner party, so w who knows how accurate their information is, uh, Severance started in the 1800s uh, with uh, topical salves, uh, is also involved in medicine, but is more on the tech side now, which I would assume the tech aspect of uh, Lumen is specific to the Severance and whatever implant they do uh, to bifurcate somebody's existence and memories. So that is kind of all we know. But obviously, this, this brings up more questions for Mark. This brings up more questions of what's going on. Uh, and uh, if he goes to that address, he will be given uh, potentially more answers. Or at least be led down a path uh, of more, more answers. Join Inspired Disorder Plus today. Head on over to inspireddisorder.com slash plus to join. Membership includes members-only discounts and deals. You get access to the Ray Taylor Show completely ad-free, as well as bonus episodes. You get access to the complete live painting archive. You also get access to every single podcast ever produced by Inspired Disorder, hosted by Ray Taylor. You get access to Ray Taylor's personal blog, as well as the opportunity to ask me any questions. So if you want to start a podcast, you're into art, ask me anything. And so many more things are being added every day to Inspire Disorder Plus. So sign up today, become a member, head on over to inspiredisorder.com slash plus and become an Inspire Disorder Plus member today. So Mark goes home and as he's walking in, to his house uh his neighbor selveg is outside who we don't see but we hear the vo we hear her voice uh and she she's as mark's going into his house to go go to sleep you know my mother was a catholic she used to say it takes the saints eight hours to bless a sleeping child i hope you aren't rushing the saints well i'll give them ample time tonight Good night, Mrs. Sovic. So she wants Mark to go to sleep. And right after that, if the voice didn't, didn't cue you up, uh, we find out the very last shot of this episode, we find out that his neighbor, Mrs. Selvig, is also Mrs. Cobell. Which is interesting because the quote that she gave Mark in the beginning was, her mom is an atheist. And the quote that she gives outside is that her mom is a Catholic. 
and she's going by two names. So we don't know necessarily if Selveg even is aware that she, I mean, she probably, if I had to guess after watching just, that's the end of the first episode, but if I had to guess, she, and I don't think we find out in this, I have seen the full, full first episode, but I'm not going to spoil anything. It, it is a mystery we don't know. We don't know the dynamic of that. But if I had to guess, based on just this small information, because when you are severed and you're born again, quote-unquote, into the set and you're given your orientation, they tell you who your name is. And the fact that she's going by two separate names really only serves if she's unaware of her role inside and outside both seemingly are involving some sort of like managerial i mean clearly she's a manager inside but on the outside she's his neighbor and concerned with his sleep schedule um maybe like more of a life coach-esque on the outside i don't know but i, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we find out that she is unaware of both sides or maybe not maybe she's completely aware and she's not severed and she just goes by different names inside and outside so that is the first episode what do we know so far we know on the inside of severance we know uh his co-workers right Mark, obviously, main character, same name, inside and outside. Mark is the new department head within the, the data, uh, data refinement department. Uh, he is uh, very good friends with Petey, who is no longer there. So his, very, his, best, friend, uh, his best, fr best work friend is no longer there. We have Heli, who is a new hire who clearly doesn't want to be there. She wants to leave. Uh, we have Dylan, who loves the waffle party for some reason, super stoked about trying to get the waffle party. Uh, we, Irving is another guy. Don't really know anything about him yet. And then uh, Petey, who is a former co-worker, is no longer on the inside, uh, but he is the former department head, and he is Mark's best friend. Uh, the management with inside severance, we have the board who is silent through the speaker box. We have uh, Cobell, who is the senior manager, has an atheist mom, according to her. Uh, Milchik is the floor manager. And then there's a guy named Mr. Grainer who is out to get Petey. Uh, on the outside, we know that Mark uh, had lost his wife. He, is a, he used to be a teacher before working for Lumen. Uh, he's worked at Lumen, he uh, worked at Lumen for two years, uh, severed for a year, which coincides with his wife being passing away. Um, we have on the outside, we have Petey, who is his former co-worker, who is now unsevered, uh, who is watching out and scared of this guy named Grainer. Uh, and he gives Mark uh, the the information, has more information potentially. Uh, you have Mark's neighbor, uh, Selvig, who has a Catholic mom and seems to be sweet. Like the, 
the the type of person that that character is inside of work and outside of work is different she seems to be like it's just a sweet older neighbor versus inside she is a horrible person that doesn't seem to like mark at all uh and then we have devin his sister who's married to rickon uh who's very like a hippy dippy type of a, a couple uh she's pregnant they have multiple beds lives near a bar uh some of the big themes of this show so far i mean this episode starts off with the question who are you which is very from a philosophical level very big i mean questions brought up by heli who am i uh and how much choice do you have uh which is a huge difference with your inside versus outside um and uh who like are you a monster which pd brought up with the conversation with uh mark inside of the the pips bar and grill um like you are a monster for allowing yourself to to put yourself into that kind of a a reality being severed uh your outside life outside of severance is your time is very limited that is the only time you really get to sleep uh and is clearly uh, for Selvig, a very important aspect of uh, your outside life is to make sure you're well rested. So when you go to work, you can perform your tasks very well. Uh, and outside life is where the pain exists. Clearly, Mark is still in pain from his wife's passing. Most likely the reason why he's crying before work. Uh, after the dinner party, had the conversation with his sister. Uh, he's no longer going to therapy um and he's choosing to uh hide from the pain by going inside being severed rather than healing from the pain uh and the kind of being inside being severed is kind of the ignorance is bliss like when you are outside you're not having to think of how you're wasting your life inside although you it's it's clear how little of your life you have when you are outside of outside of the severance and there's like a re- religious themes in some ways obviously the two quotes from Cobell slash Selvig um, work severance slash the severance specifically is seemingly the man created hell um, product of the human imagination imagination brought to life uh, outside is should be the real world should be heaven but it is squandered. Uh, and uh, the whole eight hours of sleep, blessed by saints kind of a thing. Um, so the religious aspects of this are, are kind of interesting. Uh, but there are big questions going on. Obviously, what is Lumen? During the dinner conversation, there was a lot of themes brought up. Obviously, the 1800s, it was started in theory uh, with topical salves, got into medicine. And, I mean, medicine is a type of technology internal technology and it is not surprising just as in our reality today uh with neural implants being something that we are very close to doing something that you somebody like elon musk is very excited about doing uh we're clearly seeing what the downfalls are obviously there in addition to that there are which was brought up during the dinner conversation uh that there is some congressional issues with severance. So 
Lumen is under pressure, under scrutiny from the American government in regards to severance and its capabilities, which, if you're able to do this to humans, clearly is something that should be frightening. Uh, and the applications of that are frightening as well. To control a person, especially if you think of what the United States government does, which is military, uh, invading other countries... Uh, if you want to, in theory, keep people from experience uh, PTSD from warfare, if you want to keep national secrets, as it were, uh, this severance technology would really help uh, facilitate that sort of thing. So we do know that uh, Lumen is under some scrutiny from Congress. Um, big questions in addition to what is Lumen? Uh, obviously, how did PD get severed? Why did he get severed? Um, which he could be a big key to answering a lot of the questions of what Lumen is, what Lumen's trying to do with the severance program. Um, obviously, what is at the address that uh, was given to Mark from PD? That is a big question. Uh, the whole thing with Cobell and Selvig do they know? Are they aware of each other? What purpose does it serve? Obviously a big question. Um, what happened to Mark's wife? We know that she died a year ago. Clearly he is, uh, instead of dealing with that pain, deciding to run away from that pain and hide from that pain by getting the severed procedure done. Which seemingly, I mean, we saw in this episode... When he got into work, went up the elevator, the camera thing, effect thing, and he, he's just chipper and has no idea. Uh, everybody knows he was crying because they're they asking if he looks sick and all this stuff. But So he's clearly emotionally detached from whatever it is outside, and that is why he, he decided to get the sever. So we know, kind of know why Mark decided to get severed to run away from the pain of his, uh, the loss of his wife rather than go through therapy and deal with it and, and kind of uh, live to repair those things. Um, so we don't know what happened to Mark's wife. Uh, we don't know much about Helly. We don't know why she chose to go in. Her outside persona uh, is completely okay with what's going on there. Uh, despite the fact that her inside self is trying to reject it on every level. Uh, so the whole heli situation is a big question mark. Um, and then also, I mean, probably the biggest question on everybody's mind is why Dylan is so interested in getting this waffle party. Why is that such a desired uh, perk for his job? Uh, so those are kind of the big questions so far. Only gotten a few answers, like we, you know, finding out why Mark is there, despite not knowing what his wife, what happened to his wife. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at. After one episode of Severance, uh, we'll see where it goes from here next week in episode two of Severance. And remember, to get, it takes the Saints eight hours to bless a child so make sure you get your sleep uh because it's very important that you are awake and fresh 
to make money for somebody else when you go to work the next day. Who are you? New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. And follow the show on Instagram at Ray Taylor Show. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Out! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.